title of my message is The Revival Heart Surrendered to God's Fire. And uh, I don't know if any of you have ever felt this way, but maybe you've experienced being worn down or you're just worn out. Anybody ever feel that way? Yeah, yeah. I mean, certainly we, we have that experience physically to some degree, but don't we have it also emotionally, in our soul, in our minds, in our thinking sometimes? You know, and it, it actually can translate spiritually. We can get worn out spiritually. And I was just even thinking, I, I think most of the world was worn out with 2020. I think the whole world was like, oh, let's, let's take on another year. Let's just leave that dumpster fire alone of 2020, and let's move on to 2021. But what do we do in these times when we are just really worn down or worn out? What, how, do we, how do we respond in these times? And I was even thinking, you know, spiritually, Daniel prophesies of end times... Uh, uh, events, and he talks about the saints being worn down, and that the enemy and his work is trying to wear them down. Why? Because the, the saints are pushing back. They keep the enemy from doing what he wants to do. But thinking about uh, just being worn down uh, and, and how we respond to being worn down, uh, a number of years ago, I just decided that I would... Uh, start running again, and I really wanted to run a marathon. Yeah, I know why. Why even do it? But anyway, I I thought I wanted to do it, and so trained for a long time, <laughs> and and ran a few different races, and ran some short ones, and then half marathons, and then I I decided to you know do the big one. Yeah, I did the big D and a full marathon, and. It certainly wasn't. I know we just watched the Olympics, or maybe some of you watched the Olympics. Uh, it was nothing like that, okay? It was <laughs> two hours. Yeah, right. Two hours. 26.2 miles in two hours. Now that's a miracle. Wow. Anyway, so ran the, the, ran, running the marathon and uh, was running in Dallas. Halfway through, you know, you're just getting pretty worn out. And I don't know how these, uh, why they did the, the, the course this way, but the course actually uh, has a whole bunch of hills in the middle of the course and towards the end. Uh, so at the middle of the course, I was thankful to see my wife. She comes running up beside me, and she's got a Gatorade and things like this. She's like, hey, how you doing? I'm like, oh, okay, you know. <laughs> um, but I remember just coming towards the end of it. And in fact, this race, they miscalculated the course, and it turned out to be 27.2 miles. And they actually have pace runners that, that run certain times with you. And when we hit the 27 mark, one of the pacers said, I only signed up for 26 and stopped and started walking. He literally said that. I was like, wow, okay. So we're running along, and, and um, my wife and some friends came. Well, my friend came up, and I didn't realize, and he just started running with me. Because there were definitely moments, and that was one of them. Uh, I, I just don't even want to do this. I'm done. 
Have you ever been that, been that way? You've, you've been through all these different things, circumstances, situations in your life, and you're just like, I'm done. I'm finished. No more. And, and thankfully, he came up beside me, just kind of revived me, and, and just like, hey, you're doing great. It's amazing. I can't believe you're doing this. You know, he's like, man, yeah, I'm just breathing, just trying to keep up with it. You know, I wasn't running that fast, you know. He was just really encouraging me. Um, but I did finish the race. But there are times where we need reviving, yes. right? We need revival. And, and so that I'm saying all that to say we need revival. And in fact, the body of Christ oftentimes needs the revival work of God and His Spirit. And I love to read about the past revivals and see year after year after year all of these revivals that have happened in the history of the church. It's really incredible. God hasn't left us alone. That He loves to revive His kids. But there are ways that we engage in this revival work of God for, for us to experience this, this resuscitation and this new life and this fire to come. And I want to talk about this, and uh, I preached on it a couple weeks ago, and it was a revival heart, and I talked about a hungering and humble heart. But today I want to talk about a surrendered heart, a surrendered heart to the fire of God. And I want to talk about four realities of this revival fire of God and how we encounter it uh, as we surrender ourselves to Him. Now, God is the author of revival. He is the one who revives. He is the one who stirs. And revival is truly a work of God in the, work, in the, the people of God, that He's working through us. And that's truly what revival is. But this morning, I want to jump into just the story of Moses, and you don't have to turn here, but we're going to turn ex pretty soon to Exodus 19, so you can start turning to Exodus 19, and we're going to go 17 through 20. Um, but remember, Moses grew up in Pharaoh's house. You know, he was saved uh, in, from the river, from the princess, and he grew up in Pharaoh's house, and he knew, though, the whole time that he was actually Hebrew. Well, when he finally grew up, he realized, you know, the Hebrews were, were being just uh, really tormented as slaves. And it, it really stirred in him that, oh, there's something got to happen. This, this isn't right, that, that my people are being treated this way. And he goes and he, he's watching how they're being treated. He gets angry, seeing what's being, what's being done. He ends up killing someone. Burying them. Well, and then the next day he comes back. He's seeing them again, being treated the same way. And it, then all of a sudden, two of the Hebrews start fighting. And Moses starts to come in and try and break it up. And they're like, well, what are you going to do? Are you going to kill one of us too? And so then he got very frightened. And then he left. And in fact, I think he was saying, well, I'm done with the Hebrews. Because for 40 years, he was out in the desert uh, the, of Midian, uh, in the Sinai Peninsula, just being a shepherd. Like, I'm done. 40 years he's out there. I'm not going back. 
What happens? It happens that he's up on a mountain one day and he sees a bush on fire. Except the uniqueness of this bush on fire was that it wasn't being consumed. And he turns towards the bush and it says that God calls him from the bush. This burning bush. And he calls his name, Moses, Moses. I am your God. And Moses is, you know, blown away by this encounter. And God begins to speak to Moses. You know, remove your sandals. This is a holy place. I want you to come and to encounter me. But God was calling Moses to himself. But what I want to, the reality I want us to recognize in Moses' life, even in the midst of this, ah, I'm done with this, forget this. God calls us to the fire. Not only to the fire, but he also calls us into the fire. Because God says to Moses, among all the other things that he wants to help, he wants, he wants to use him to deliver Israel or the Hebrews from Egypt, he says, you're going to come and you're going to worship me with all these freed ones at this mountain. You're going to come back to this mountain, Mount Sinai, Mount Horeb. You're going to come back to this very mountain, and you are going to worship me here, all of you. So let's pick it up in Exodus 19 and see after all of the, of the signs and wonders that happen, that they come out into this wilderness to this same mountain that God had shown himself to Moses earlier. Um, I'm getting here. So verse 17, it says, And Moses brought the people out of the camp to meet God. And they stood at the foot of the mountain, and now Mount Sinai was all in smoke, because the Lord descended upon it in fire. And its smoke as it ascended like the smoke of a furnace. And the whole mountain quaked violently. When the sound of the trumpet grew louder and louder, Moses spoke, and God answered him with the thunder. The Lord came down on Mount Sinai to the top of the mountain, and the Lord called Moses to the top of the mountain, and Moses went up. So you got the picture. So here, this mountain that Moses had seen the fire in this bush, this almost just a foretaste of what was going to happen. Now God comes in greater measure upon the mountain, and there's this great fire and this trembling and this smoke, and what does God say? Come on up. This consuming fire. Okay, so let's look in chapter 24. Chapter 24, and it's describing the, the similar glory of God. It says, Moses went up to the mountain, and a cloud covered the mountain. The glory of the Lord rested on Mount Sinai, and the cloud covered it for six days. And on the seventh day, he called to Moses from the midst of the cloud. And to the eyes of the sons of Israel, the appearance of the glory of the Lord was like a consuming fire on the mountaintop. Moses entered the midst of the cloud as he went up onto the mountain. And Moses was on the mountain 40 days and 40 nights in this consuming fire. God had called him into it. 
And in Deuteronomy 5, we see that his desire was not just that Moses would be the one to come up, but he was wanting all of them to come. It says in, uh, in verse 23, it says, And when you heard, Moses is talking about how God came on the mountain. This is like his final sermon before he's leaving in Deuteronomy. It says, And when he and when you heard the voice from the midst of the darkness, while the mountain was burning with fire, you came near to me, all the heads of your tribes and elders, and you said, Behold, the Lord God, he has shown us his glory and his greatness, and we have heard his voice from the midst of the fire. We have seen today that God speaks with man, yet he lives. Now then, why should we die? What are they saying? For this great fire will consume us. If we hear the voice of the of the Lord our God any longer, we are going to die. For who is there of all flesh who has heard the voice of the living God speaking from the midst of the fire as we have and lived? And they say, what do they say? Go near and hear all that the Lord our God says. Then speak to us all that the Lord God speaks to you. And, and we'll hear what you have to say, Moses. Like, they're saying, Moses, you, you go. You go in the fire because... It's uncomfortable. We're, we're, not, we're not sure we can make it if we go into that fire. So we'll just stay here and you, you go ahead and go in. But it was God's desire that they do, that they all come near and that they all come in and that his desire is for us to enter into his fire, enter into the fire of the Lord. And as I was thinking about this, it reminded me of the prodigal son in Luke 15. Yeah. Well, how in the world does that remind you of the prodigal son? <laughs> Remember the prodigal son? So he's the prodigal son. He takes the father's inheritance. He goes and he's squandering all his wealth on just horrible living and uh, ends up in a pig pen, right? He finally figures out, you know, the hired men, the slaves in my dad's house, they actually, they, they're doing better than I am right here. So I might as well go back to father's house. So he ends up going back to father's house. But what does he say on his way? Remember what he's saying? He's saying, you know, I, I don't deserve to be called your son. Who am I? I'm not worthy. I'm nothing. I, don't you know that he feared, in a way, going back to father? Yeah. He feared what was going to happen. He feared the, the reaction of the Father. And Jesus gave us this parable to tell us what the kingdom of God was like. And he was saying, he wants you to come in. Yes. He wants you to come to his goodness and his perfection and his love. Because it's all the same package. He wants you to come into the fire of his presence. And I see this, that as the prodigal is coming, he's like, oh boy, I'm not so sure about this fire, but I know it's better for me if I do, if I come. And so he comes. The, the son actually comes and he surrenders himself to the father. Doesn't he? He actually gives himself up. He's like, okay, I'm, I'm giving myself up. And I think this is such a beautiful picture, and I want us to get that picture 
not just this consuming fire of God to burn you up, but it's a consuming fire of God to burn you up from the inside, to stir in your heart the, the love that God has for you and for others, that the, the, the Father is ready to embrace you and grab hold of you, and that this is what he's calling us to. He's calling you and I and all of us to this kind of fire and to jump, come and be with him. Which leads me to the second point is that Jesus comes to ignite God's fire within us. So not only does he call us to come into God's fire, come into his perfection and his goodness and his great love. I am calling you to come into me, God says. Not only am I calling you to come in, but then Jesus comes and he sets us on fire on the inside. He wants to ignite a fire within us. Not just for us to be in it, but for it to be in us. Oh, thank you, Jesus, that this is what you desire. It says in Luke 12, 49, and... Jesus is talking, uh, he, he's talking kind of on end times things, but he's just describing, oh, let me get to Luke, Matthew, Mark, there we go, Luke. Um, so it's kind of another sermon that Jesus is giving, talking about seeking the kingdom. Uh, but verse 49 it's like you need to be dressed in readiness. He's talking about this. But he says, uh, 49, I have come to cast fire upon the earth, and how I wish it were already kindled. Okay. So Jesus, well, I think sometimes when we read this, Jesus just wants to bring judgment. Yes. But is that what he's saying here? He's saying, so the heart of Jesus is that I can't wait until I annihilate everyone. No. I mean, just take that to the logical conclusion. Is that what he's saying in this point? Because no. you can take it that way. Because if you're saying, well, that's, it's all about judgment. Well, it kind of is about judgment, yes, judging sin. But he wants to annihilate all flesh? He wants to annihilate all of the people that he created for himself. No! He doesn't want to just annihilate people. He wants to set them on fire. Yeah. I have come to cast fire. In fact, the word is to throw, and many translations say ignite. I have come to ignite a fire in my people. Good. That's what I've come to do. I've come to ignite that fire, and oh, how I wish it was already kindled in my people. This is what Jesus is saying. Yeah. Yes. That I can't wait for my people to be kindled with fire. It's good. It's good. Yeah. John Baptist says, you know, this is going to be the defining characteristic of Jesus' ministry. Jesus, he baptizes with the Spirit and with fire. Oh, okay, it means he was baptizing me with himself, his own essence, the spirit that raised Jesus from the dead. He's baptizing me with that spirit and the spirit that annihilates me. 
and the fire that comes to just completely do me in. No, this fire that would ignite me. That's the point. That Jesus has come to baptize us this way. And that we see this happen at Pentecost, right? At Pentecost, we see that the promised Holy Spirit comes, falls and descends upon all of the believers that were there together. The Spirit descends upon them and tongues of fire come down and do what? They rest and they remain on everyone that was calling out to God. Everyone that was there together. All of them in one place receive all of this spirit and fire that comes together. And they're ignited. And that the church becomes alive and strong and starts to burn brightly. And 3,000 are added to their number. And 5,000 are added to their number. And signs and wonders are following. And everybody's selling all their possessions and giving to one another. And they're all generous. That sounds like a great revival, doesn't it? Why did that happen? Because the spirit and fire was kindled and revived and was let loose on the earth. That he's come to ignite this fire. He calls us to come into the fire. I'm going to experience it. And now I'm going to be ignited by it. And it's going to spread from this life that's been so affected by the fire and the perfection and the love of God that he has consumed me with. It's such a beautiful word. The, the word actually in, in the Hebrew and the Greek means to eat up. <laughs> it reminds me, so I, we were uh, at my grandson's birthday party on Saturday and you know there's so many things that we, we say sometimes and you feel like, oh man, I could just eat you up, <laughs> right? I could just eat you up. I could just eat you up like a biscuit, you know. Because <laughs> they're so, you know, it's so, they, they, you just got to have them, right? Isn't that the heart of the Father? He wants us. He wants who we are in himself. And we are that same way, that this is what he desires for us. And that we, this is this consuming love fire that we have in the presence of God, that he wants us to encounter, that he wants ignited within us. <laughs> and I think of, when I think about this love encounter uh, and this ignition that Jesus loves to do within us, I think of altar calls. Now, altar calls are a unique thing in the body of Christ, aren't they? Not, there's not a whole lot of other religions or other things that you do altar calls necessarily, but I think they're so vital. Let me give you an illustration. So my parents took me to a Billy Graham meeting when I was a kid, and I remember he kept going on and on and on. As a kid, I was like, wow. He's really excited up there, you know. I don't think I was really catching everything. But man, he was going after it. And I remember, I, but I do remember vividly, he slowed down and he got really serious and he said, Jesus is calling you. Ooh. 
I remember that hit me hard. I felt like Jesus was calling me. He said, Jesus is calling you. And my seven-year-old heart was pounding in my chest. Jesus is, he kept saying it, you know, Jesus is calling you. He wants you to be right with him. He wants you to give yourself to him. He wants to live in your life. He wants to be a part of you and everything that you do. But he, you have to give yourself to him. You have to admit your sin and come and receive what he has done for you. Oh, my word. I mean, truly, it felt like my heart is pounding out of my chest. And I just kept hearing Jesus is calling. And, you know, I mean, I, I'm sure my parents noticed me. And they were like, are you okay? And I'm like, no, I'm not. Like, you want to go up? And yes. And sure enough, man, I stood up and my dad was like, okay, let's go. This was a huge stadium meeting. And we just actually went up to just our one section, you know, and then they had the, the ministers right there. And I prayed with my dad. And I was so filled with God's love and his fire, yeah. right? Yeah. And his fire. Now, I had already known all the, not all the things, but as a kid, I'd been going to Sunday school. I, I had already said yes to Jesus, but I knew I had to say yes to Jesus right here. Yeah. You know what I think altar calls are so great at? Calling you to respond to something that God is doing. Yes. This is a gift of God. Yes. The altar is a gift of God. Now, can God do something just right where you're seated? Oh, totally, he can. He can, he can work just great things like that. But I'm thankful that I have an opportunity that I can come forward and step into, make movement into something that God is saying to me and move forward. I want to come. I'm coming. And I, I love that, that this wasn't just a one-time thing, right? Yes, that's right? This was the beginning of a life of coming to the altar. Right? It should just be a beginning. What's coming to the altar? Coming to the altar shouldn't just be, okay, I got saved, and now, I'm, now I got everything I need. Coming to the altar should mean to us responding to the Lord, responding to what he is saying and doing, and that that is what God is calling us to. That's where the ignition is happening, and that when we open up the altar or we say, hey, you know, if you want to come, yeah, I remember uh, I had a friend <laughs> uh, when we were coming into the things of God's Spirit, and he said, well, yeah, I remember. Somebody told me that I don't care what they're offering at that altar, you go up. Even if they're praying for, and this was a gentleman that, that was talking, even if they're praying for pregnant women, I want you going up there. It wasn't necessarily about what was the need for everybody coming to the altar. You got to respond. You got to learn to respond to what's going on on the inside of you. And that's the key to revival is this response that we have. Now, I'm not saying that it's 
It's our work to make all these things happen, but we have to respond to it. We have the choice. We have the freedom that, that we are called to come into this great experience of God's perfection and his love and his fire. And we need to respond when God is prompting us, when he's moving on the inside of us, that we, okay, I've got to do something. So this is what we have. We, we do this, but, and I'm going to, maybe I'll get to it this morning but we need to create places where we consistently come to the altar this can't be the only altar we're coming to thankful thank God for this altar but this is not the only one he wants us to come to the altar uh, in so many different places wouldn't it be awesome Where am I coming to the altar where I work? Where am I coming to the altar in my school? Where am I coming to the altar with my family? That we need to create these places where I'm coming to the altar coming to encounter God, coming to that burning bush experience that God was, God was just starting something in Moses. Moses, I'm going to start this fire encounter, but boy, you won't believe what you're going to see. You'll be up there for 40 days and 40 nights, and you'll go back down, and you'll come back up 40 days and 40 nights in the consuming fire, and then you will say, God, show me your glory. I need more of you. We sang about it, that that we want to come deeper. Do we really want to come deeper? God, I want to come deeper. I want to come more into this fire that you have created me for. You have formed and fashioned me for it. So there's this fire that's kindled or ignited within us, but then we are called to kindle this fire. What do I mean by that? This fire of God's Spirit that Jesus calls us to, He wants us to ignite this and fan it into flame, to be a part of it growing within us. That 1 Thessalonians 5, 19 and 20. So Paul is saying... To the Thessalonians, you know, this is the will of God that you you rejoice always, you pray without ceasing, you give thanks in everything. Do not quench the spirit. And I love this word quench because quench the spirit, the word quench, in every other time, it's used eight times in the New Testament. Every other time that it's used in the New Testament, it's referring to fire. And in fact, probably if we think about uh, Ephesians 6, uh, 16, I believe, you know, we extinguish the flaming arrows of the devil. That's the same word. It's all about fire. It's extinguishing. So he's saying this fire of the Holy Spirit, don't quench it. And then he goes on to say, do not despise prophetic utterance or prophesyings. 
or revelations of God. Don't reject these things. So we don't want to extinguish the fire, so what's, what are we doing with the fire? Well, I believe Stephen was a man set on fire in the New Testament. And in fact, he was put on trial for being on fire. In fact, he was, he was made one of the seven to help care for the people of the, the early church, but he was also uh, just a man full of faith and the Holy Spirit and went about doing all kinds of great works and signs and wonders, and it stirred up the Jews, and they put him on trial for it. And so at his trial, he starts relaying how God worked through Israel's history, and he's just going through the whole thing. <laughs> it's, it's a great sermon. Um, and he begins, to, he, he really kind of brings it in, or he brings it home, really calling into question how Israel and how these men of Israel on this Sanhedrin council have responded to God. And he says, well, let's see, where am I? He is... Getting here somewhere? Okay. Verse 51, actually it's uh, chapter 7. He said, where does God dwell? You know, he's talking about where, where is the dwelling place of God? Well, you know, he looks to one who is contrite in heart. But he says in verse 51, You men who are stiff-necked and uncircumcised in heart and ears are always resisting the Holy Spirit, and you are doing just as your fathers did. What Stephen is saying here, which Stephen was then, they, they were so angry with all that he was saying right here, and saying, hey, you resist the Holy Spirit, you've resisted God this whole time, you're, you're never doing what, what God really wants you to grab hold of, and they were just cut to the quick, and they end up stoning him to death, right? But what happens with Stephen? Stephen, the, the heavens open up, he sees Jesus standing, standing. Like Jesus is giving Stephen a standing ovation. He's like, "Woo! yes, Stephen. Stephen was a life that was given to the Lord. And he's saying that to kindle the fire of God is that we do the opposite of resisting the Holy Spirit. It's kind of my whole thinking right here. The opposite of resisting the Holy Spirit is doing what? It's saying yes. It's saying yes. I'm going to say yes to the Holy Spirit. Pastor Kerry just said there was a time when, when the, the Spirit was saying to him, just say yes to me. Just say yes to every opportunity you get. Just say yes. That, that, that God loves for us to say yes to him. And that when we continually say yes to him, that he is able to move and to work. And that we kindle this fire, continually saying yes to him. There is a prayer by St. Patrick. Uh, you know St. Patrick's Day? You guys all know St. Patrick's Day? I mean, it's, it's sad that we all only think of, you know, um, green and shamrocks and things with St. Patrick. But he has quite a testimony. 
And he was actually, when he was 16, he was captured uh, in Britain uh, by pirates and taken to uh, Ireland and forced to be a slave there. And he was a shepherd for, uh, I believe, eight years. But as he was a shepherd, he turned to the Lord. He turned to faith. He ended up escaping, but then got captured again and almost starved to death. Escaped that and then finally made it back to Britain. And he went and he gave his life um, to become a monk. As he is studying to become a monk, it says that he began, in his prayers, he began hearing the cries of the people of Ireland to come back. He says his heart was deeply moved, but because of his poor education, and he didn't find himself very clever or intelligent, he didn't think that he should go. But God kept burning this desire and these voices in his, in his head and in his spirit, and he went back to the place where he had been enslaved, and he went back to bring Jesus. And there's all kinds of amazing stories about what he did in Ireland, but he really turned the whole island to Christ, practically. It says that he was attributed of raising 33 people from the dead. Amazing. There was a Druid king when he was there, and they had all these strange customs. Uh, but around Easter time, no one could have fire except the king. And only, only, the only fire that was allowed was the fire from the king and wherever, wherever he chose to spread it from. Well, St. <laughs> Patrick knew of this, and so he made a bonfire on his own, on some great mountain. He made this huge bonfire, just tormenting the king. So the king was like, what is happening? That's not, that's not my fire. Okay, so he sends the chariots and the soldiers to go and put that fire out. So the chariots go down to put that fire out. Well, they end up stopping, talking to St. Patrick, and a number of them get saved. And the fire keeps burning. And I, I just love this picture of this fire burning because it was just a, it's just a picture of St. Patrick, of his fire continuing to burn in this dark place. And I will even burn it hotter <laughs> just so everybody will notice it. But St. Patrick has this great prayer, and this is just a portion of this prayer. He says, Christ with me. Christ before me, Christ behind me, Christ in me, Christ beneath me, Christ above me, Christ on my right, Christ on my left, Christ where I lie, Christ where I sit, Christ where I arise. But then he, cl he clicks into this beautiful picture and he says, Christ in the heart of everyone who thinks of me. Christ in the mouth of everyone who speaks to me. Christ in the eye that sees me. Christ in the ear that hears me. Isn't that beautiful? This was a man on fire. That this fire burned in St. Patrick, but his fire was like, I want everyone to see Jesus. 
through my whatever I am, whatever I do, let them see Jesus. Let this fire continue to spread and grow. The fourth reality of God's revival fire. We encounter and spread God's fire best when we continually surrender. When we continually surrender to Him. I love this passage in Isaiah 33:11, and I can't even go into it all. It is a beautiful scripture, 33:11, and then 14 through 17, talking about God coming with fire, and everybody's afraid. And then he says, who can stand continual burning in verse 14? And then he tells you, there are some. There are those who can be in continual burning. And they are the ones who have, well, let me go ahead. I might as well just read it, right? Okay. It, it is beautiful, though. In, in the midst of this judgment and fire, who can live among uh, a consuming fire? Verse 14. Who among us can live with continual burning? He who walks righteously and speaks with sincerity. He who rejects unjust gain and shakes his hands so that they have hold no bribe. He who stops his ears from hearing about bloodshed and shuts his eyes from looking upon evil. Do you notice here? What is he engaged? Uh, feet, mouth, heart, hands, ears, eyes, everything. Right? Jesus said, this is how you love God. With all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. This is how you do it. You do it with everything you've got. Give them those revival hands. Give them those revival eyes. Give them those revival ears. Give them those revival hearts. Give them those revival feet. This is what he wants. This is how you stand continual burning that it actually propels you forward. It actually moves you into greater and greater measure of who he is. This is how you stand continual burning. I love it. Continual burning, what is that word continual? Olam, it means everlasting, <laughs> forever burning. Yes, amen. Woo! Oh, Jesus. Give everything that you are. You know that in Leviticus 6.12, that the ministers were charged with perpetual fire. I have ministers of my perpetual fire that the altar was never to go out. There was always to be fire at the altar. And that these ministers were there making sure there was always fire burning. Oh God, let me be a minister of perpetual fire in these days, oh Lord. Lord, let us be these who have been set on fire by your spirit and will not be snuffed out. Oh. You know what it said of Jesus? It said of Jesus, a smoldering wick. He would not snuff out. Jesus was always about ignition. Oh, goodness. Jesus, thank you, Lord Jesus. I was reading this book about, and it's from the Voice of the Martyrs. Okay, last story. The Voice of the Martyrs and... It's about a, a girl who was a Muslim, grew up in a Muslim family, and she heard about this course to learn about Christianity. And they would send you a book of the Bible with questions, and you would read the book, and then you would answer the questions. 
She went through the whole series. They would send it in the mail and she would get it. She would hide it from her parents and she would just go through it. So she went through the whole thing and she got a certificate. And after she got the certificate, they sent her a Bible. She's like, oh. And it was, you know, had the gold on the outside of, you know, the paper and everything. And she loved this Bible. Well, it just stirred her to want more and more. This fire began to grow. And that she ended up going to a church. She, she went away to, to visit some family in another place in Pakistan. And she, she ended up getting an invitation to go to a church. Because she saw a guy like praying and he was talking, uh, talking to God. And she was like, how? What are you doing? And he's like, oh, I'm just talking to God. She's like, you can't do that. He's like, yes, 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 I can. And in fact, you should come to church tonight because God's going to be there and we're going to experience some great things. She went to that church that night. She saw the guy that was praying. He was there with his daughter. During the service, he took her up to the altar. She was practically limp and lifeless. And she noticed all kinds of people starting to come up to the altar as well, and they all began to cry out and pray. And she said, she said she saw the girl come to life and stand up, be filled, be filled with strength. She was undone. She's like, oh, my word. So when she went back to her own town, she looked up a Christian church in her own town, and she began to go to this church, and the, she began to talk to the pastor there. And she had all kinds of questions for the pastor, and the pastor kept saying, um, yeah, I, I can answer that. And, and so he would kind of answer a question, but then not really. And she was like, what is happening here? It ends up that this Christian pastor went and talked to her dad, and told her that she came to the church. He went, the dad went home and got the son, and they both severely beat her. And the dad, it says the next day the dad woke up, and he kind of felt bad for beating her so bad. And then he went up to the room, and there she was with her Bible open, reading her Bible. And he was just undone and beat her within an inch of her life. <clears throat> that night she escaped, and this story just goes on. It's just a whole life-on-the-run type thing. But what was amazing to me was that this fire did not stop. This fire kept burning and burning. And what was she doing? I, just, I get this picture of just seeing this little girl with this fire... She didn't even know Jesus. She didn't even know Jesus, really. But she knew what was burning. I see this little girl kindling a fire. Man. God kindled his fire in us. A dimly burning wick, he definitely won't snuff out. And he will fan it. Jesus will fan it. We fan this flame just by saying yes, like I said. 
But I want to I submit to you, I want us, and I, I'm encouraging us, I'm challenging us to create places. Places where Moses encountered a burning bush. Places where little Tara kept hearing the voice of the Lord. That there is just these places that God wants us to come to, Lord, we, that we, we surrender ourselves again continually to this burning work of God's Spirit. And so, uh, I know the time is definitely going away. I would really like the worship team to come forward, to come up, and I would really like to um, just kind of do this as a response this morning. But I think we need to respond to just this desire of God for this fire to burn on the inside of us. And just to grow more and more and more and more. And I'm not saying you don't have the fire. Or maybe you don't. Maybe you don't really know Jesus. And I want, I'd, I'd love for you to come up and we, we want the fire to be ignited. That's great. But let the fire grow. Let the fire burn. And we do that best when we give ourselves completely to him. And so would you stand with me? And I'm going to ask Crystal and the dance team just to come and bring, to bring just a red fabric. There's nothing whatever about this. It's just an opportunity. And this is what I believe that we have to give ourselves to. Opportunities for God to do a deep thing. So the altar is open. And I'm asking you if you would want, if this is something I want to give, I want to, I want to give myself so consistently, Lord, like this. I want to continually surrender to you in my life. I want to intentionally go with you, O oh Lord, that your spirit might move and have his way within me. And so I'm gonna, we're going to start singing this song. And if you want that heart, if you desire that to be within you, I'm going to ask you to come. And I want you to stand in the fire. Come on, into the fire, into his presence, into his love. So Holy Spirit, you are welcome here. Holy Spirit, come and have your way. Holy Spirit, let us be people that submit to you in these days, intentionally, day by day by day, that you would stir the fire, that the fire would be kindled within us.